You're here. Yes, I'm here. Yes. Here. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. Huzzah. Uh, huzzah. No, I was reading the watching live, and uh, Leal, who's listening now, said, oh, I sound more lively than last week. So now I'm trying to think what happened last week, that I wasn't lively. You oh, fell I down fell. The... <laughs> I fell. See, when you're old as well. Yeah, did you, you hit your head? Glasses, <laughs> you can't remember. You got pudding brain, too, as you get older. Yeah. I fell. Yes, I did. And guess what? The bruises are better, and they don't hurt as much, but my knee still really hurts. <laughs> you that, do you think you'll be in fighting shape? We're in, hoping in I'll be able to make it at Gen Con. I'll be fine. Like I can walk around, but if somebody were to accidentally brush up or bump my knee, I will scream. Oh, God, it's rough. <laughs> so yeah. we're hoping. I got... It's 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 the what it's the 24th right now when we're recording this. I have a week and a half. I am icing it. I'm resting it. I'm not doing my three mile walks in the morning. I'm just trying to make sure I get this knee to heal before Gen Con. Yep, that's my goal. And you know what? You you injured yourself and you still showed up and produced content. Right. You know, you know Freddie Mercury said the show oh. must go on. You know? I mean, I don't have to stand to record a podcast. That's the good thing. Yeah, and also I mean, it was, it was a minor fall as opposed to a, doing, yeah, no. you know, a, a horrendous virus that would kill thousands. But you yeah, know, it's basically no. the same thing. You know? Hey, I could have said, you know what? I'm just not feeling it. Get somebody else to come on and talk with you about something. That's a, I, I appreciate that about. Uh, I think both of us, we we both okay. show up. Like I don't think I've ever missed a recording unless I forgot about it. I think I don't think I ever had. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> um, yeah, you've been late, but you've never missed one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, you wanted to talk about extreme environments, and I'm going to say right now, I don't love the idea of extreme environments in games. You don't love it. That's well, my you know hot what? take. I don't love the idea of using them. Hot to well, how about this hot take? Deserts, boom, they're great, and you should run games. I'm hoping I can pull you over. I, I think I can. I think I can win this. All right, you think Jupiter you can? And I'm cheering for you. I always do. I'm your biggest fan. Thank so you. why are you pro? I mean, I'm lying. But why are you pro? <laughs> why are you pro extreme environments? <laughs> I like the. I like the. I mean, it's the setting. I mean, every good story, the setting, not every, but most of them matter. I mean, how often does does the setting play an awesome role? Either the time, the space, you know, you don't get, like, you know, phone booth was set entirely in a phone booth. You know, that's a setting, that's an environment. It, you know, but you, I want that to have a part of the to be a part of the of the of the setting or be part of the story. The setting should be able to impose itself. I okay. just don't like the idea of the environment just being this blank white thing upon. I mean, I, character development is good, you know. Yeah. But if if I'm running a game and I'm already dealing with a lot of stuff with with just the players, do I want another and NPCs? Do I want the environment? Now, when I say using extreme environment in a game, I mean all the mechanics and bookkeeping that go with it. Now, I've used different environments in games, but just as flavor text. I have not made people bookkeep your ration, especially D&D &D 5e. Forget about it. If they've got a magic user, it doesn't matter. 
<laughs> we're not even counting arrows. What are you doing over here with food and water? Exactly. You know. Yeah. I, I, I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. Actually, that's that's Ooh. a a key like thing I wanted to bring it. up. Yeah, we. I, I assure you, anyone, uh, we haven't. It. it just means we're on no, our game today. It literally just comes on yeah. one minute before we start recording, and this is what we talk. This is when we talk about it. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. We 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 do not plan shit. To the extent that it sounds planned is so we got the right ratio of gin and tonics. Like we're not too many, we're not too. Like we just we three fucking threaded the needle on it. So, but I anticipated this. Everyone, I think, makes a mistake. And Tomb of Annihilation, the the module I've been running, which kind of is where my brain's been mm-hmm. circulating makes this mistake food water rations hydration if you're in heavy armor then you have to have more water and you have to have your rain catcher and you can hold eight gallons of water and eight gallons of water weighs this amount of weight that is almost certainly not fun and interesting very few games that level of bookkeeping is cool maybe like the oregon trail where mm-hmm. it, that is like the whole game kind of um but I, I no i'm not advocating for that i'm not advocating okay for any bookkeeping Okay. I'm advocating for rule adjustments and setting and flavor, which you did mention. Uh-huh. I want uh-huh. setting. I want flavor. Uh-huh. But I want to have I, – I, I'll give you some examples. Let's just straight into it. So polar environments. I have almost never played a game in a polar environment. I have once played a game with a druid who was a penguin. And you know what? That guy's awesome. Fucking penguins. I want to show the penguin guys some love. I want to have them tobogganing down the slopes, you know? Uh-huh. Flying characters get to fly. This is the one bird that can't fucking fly. Now they can they wow. can scout ahead by tobogganing down the ice flows. But uh-huh. more, more important than that, you can have things like uh, uh, like white whiteout conditions and uh, what's it, what it called? Like night blind? Not night blind. Like white blindness or snow blind? I guess snow blindness. There you go. White blindness. It's white white blind. Yeah, that sounds That's like a, a different <laughs> thing. That's completely like a, different, and we're not getting into like it. Sounds like a sounds like a Mountain Dew brand. New white mm. blindness. You know, this Mountain Dew so strong it'll. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like corneas. Anyway, so snow blindness happens when you're staring at a white environment, indirect sunlight, kind of like it's hell in your eyes. Yeah. You know all those dark vision races I like to shit on? Fuck them. Mm-hmm. Now, surprise, uh, humans are normal, and uh, all you drow elves and shit are just sucking wind. Uh, looking at, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're just they're just like, oh, God, this is terrible. You can slap them with some minuses, and it's not a an eternal bookkeeping. It's like, congratulations, when you're outside you are going to be at negatives for perception because your eyes are getting scorched. It provides cool gameplay opportunities. Maybe they can find goggles of not being snowblind. Wait, 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 wait. Now, this is is my reaction right now because I can hear this happening at your table or at a table. Somebody arguing, show me in the rules that if I'm in a polar environment, my dark vision now suffers a penalty. Show me that in the rules. Um, Is it there? (laughs) Do you have that to no. back that up? Because this is now, yeah. this is the other thing about extreme environments. How I think they may impact people may not be how those players feel they would be impacted. And I'm just seeing arguments. Well, they are free to run their own table and make color <laughs> conditions fucking balmy and 65 for all I give a shit. Uh, and you're at your table when you're in polar, in polar environments and you have dark vision, you are blind. And that's that. You're not blind, but you okay. are not doing great. You, you, just, you, you yeah. literally just flip the script on them, mm-hmm. and and there you go. I mean, you don't want to do it permanently. This is, a, again, this is the don't be a dick rule. Your players have yeah. to trust you. You yeah. cannot be permanently fucking your players. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a one-off. You're going to have a campaign or a few scenarios in this environment and, and flip the script on them a little bit. 
while they've been ragging the poor human with his silly ass torches, now suddenly they're over there like holding their eyes or having to wear like deeply dark tinted glasses uh, to be able to get by while it's, you know, what do your human eyes see? Aha! You know, screw you, elf boy. You know, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> elf boy. I, I, so that's, that's on one aspect. Yes, yeah, great. <laughs> God, it'd probably kill it. Right? Just like no context. What is this? this is Shadowrun shirt? No it's it's context. all of them. It's in every game. There's an elf. Yes. Screw you, elf. Boy. Yeah. I just wanted in pretty script. Go on with your point. So so snow blindness is cool. Ice flows are cool. They can break apart and they can collide back together. You can have a subterranean uh, uh, dungeon, aka a cave, and like the ice, like you, you could manipulate it with magics and and fire and heat and sunlight, or just Naturally, ice flows break apart. This can happen to reveal your cool-ass ice dungeon. Or it can break apart t- during a fight that is, that is on uh, but just the terrain, not in, not in a cave or a dungeon. You're just out in the wilds fighting God knows what. And then during the fight, you can just start breaking the ice apart. And now mm-hmm. people are moving, and they are separated by freezing water. That could be very similar to like a lava type of thing where it would do a damage to you. I mean, it's not as bad as lava. You're not going to instantly die, but it would just impact you. It would knock you down. You can slap some exhaustion levels on somebody. You could have some basic rules that aren't insane. Like, you don't have to come up with like some heat management system where every day you lose five heat units unless you've been near a campfire. Like, you don't have to go to there. You can do something with, with these aspects to mix it up versus your basic D&D setting which is temperate forest. There are some trees. The trees provide some cover. Maybe there's an elevation change or two if you're feeling spicy today. You know, I'm trying I'm, I'm yeah. trying to convince people to throw some throw some curveballs. Yeah. No, I mean, I've done that. I've gone from city. I've gone small villages. I've gone, you have to climb up mountain passes to get to a city up there. I've had, you have to cross a desert to get to this dungeon. I mean, I've done that. I, I've had people go through really bad storms, and they have to deal with that. The thing is, though, in D&D 5th edition, if you have magic users, most anything you throw at them, they can overcome. With that's true. Like, and that's why the heat thing is, is I mean, they're going to solve it, to be quite frank. Like, I don't yeah. even bring it up they because they're going to, to have... Yeah. But but make them do it. Make them cast yeah. a one spell, mm-hmm. and you don't even have to charge them the spell slot. Like I don't charge my players like to create water spell slot for the for the swamps of the Tomb of Annihilation. We're just kind of hand waving it. Same thing when one of the players prepares build campfire. Like it it just happens, you know. And if your players want to go super deep with wood, let them fuck them. But I'm, I'm t- generally speaking, okay, great. They have their heat. They have their their place on the ice, but. There's other aspects you can bring up, like Arctic blizzards happen. You have whiteout conditions. Maybe you have creatures that have blind sense or, or, or blind, I'm sorry, blind sight or tremor sense, and you can have this whiteout condition move around the board. You're bringing in some other environmental factors to mix up your encounters. I don't even mean to necessarily just harp on D and D. Do it with Shadowrun, which is more, which oh, yeah. is more crunchy. Throw yeah. them in Arctic condition. Have them dealing with that cold to whatever extent you want to come up mm. with. You know, you have to come up with your own system. It could just be very basic. You have to get from point to point to mm-hmm. you know have a hovel. If you're out in the if you're out in the open and you don't make it to a cave, maybe you have to make some little endurance roll. And if you don't make yeah. it, you have to camp out on the ice and your campfire attracts baddies, possibly. It's it's just these are just ideas on spitballing. Undead I'm just you know. Yeah. yeah, they yeah, oh my god, yeah, like, like I think Axe undead Peaks, penguins. Right? Come on. Undead penguins. There you go. 
There you go. That's that's great. <laughs> I mean, axe beaks are in Tomb of Annihilation. They're awesome. I think they should have been used more. I intend to use them more. Uh, they're just evil ass turkeys. So, evil make some penguins that are like make jacked up. You know. There you go. Yeah. Don't even make them evil. Just make them like real yeah. shitty. Like they're not uh, like you actually don't evil. Kill a penguin unless it's evil. Like, I mean, well, the penguins penguin. are coming after them. Like, make them vicious. What? Like these, these <laughs> it's a penguin Rabbit. subspecies, and they and they're just like real, like territorial. You know, I mean, they are emperor penguins, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're, they they want territory. <laughs> they want you off of it, and they come over and they attack you in a penguiny sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Penguiny sense. So, so there's, there's your polar conditions. Okay. Uh, another um, one. We uh-huh. we, we, go, we stick on polar. You have you have polar Go comments. Ahead. Do I have polar comments? I mean, yeah. it, it is, it, like I said, I would only use it for like flavor or, or something. I don't think I would be very bookkeepy, but yes, I'd have them make some rolls to accommodate something, uh, the freezing temperatures or, you know, if they fall through the ice and they're wet and they can't dry well, and, you know, you have, you have so many rounds before you need to get dry before you're going to start suffering some kind of damage things like that i would have roles but i don't think i would do the bookkeeping mechanics i'm with you food and do you have enough stuff to start fires do you have thing? do you have fuel to burn what are you carrying you know all that stuff yeah i think the most i would get is if it were a shadow run game which is more crunchy i would mm-hmm. say like tell me like i would do a quick math on like food weight like food mm-hmm. Like, do you do you have all the equipment? Do you have the troll or somebody carrying all this crap? And then vaguely, and, and even then, maybe not. I w- it would be more of a flavor thing. Like, you sit out with your heavy footsteps in the ice, your overloaded packet of food. Mm-hmm. I don't know, something. And you can customize it. The main thing I'm trying to do is I'm trying to tell everybody out there who is running a game or thinking about it, throw some curveballs, get them into the Arctic, have them go up there. And and in various other places I shall highlight. And I'm just trying to give some ideas <laughs> that people can like spitball off of, you know. Yeah. All right. So uh, before we get to your other regions with your other ideas, there's one instance where I th- I think dealing with environment would be easier, and uh, it would add an element, a level to the game, and that is if you had just a solo player. Like if if you if it was just you and your friend and you still wanted to play, and you just have that one player, then then I think definitely you can really have the environment play a lot into what's happening to that one person, and you won't have to deal with the debating of the rules, the debating of the impact. I mean that player is just gonna roll with it, and there's okay. not that much to have to keep track of. Uh, think of the movie Gravity. Didn't see it. Oh my gosh, Sandra Bullock. Oh, Uh, that movie. Yes. Terrible space space catastrophe. She's in this pot. It is that is an extreme environment. That is something she needs. She has a limited amount of air. She has a limited amount of time to get from point A to point B, or something horrible is going to happen. So that is to me, if you were to be a GM with a single player, that kind of situation when you have one player you can really throw a lot of environmental things at them and that that's great uh leo brings up another one um uh the martian with uh matt damon that's ah. that's another good solo solo thing where environment does impact uh impact the the player 
and I think that's good. But you're you're saying if you just have a full table, you're saying add some more layers and spiciness to it. Get that flavor in with the different. Don't have everything just in temperate forest or whatever. Yeah. But okay. I think I think the, the default is cave and temperate forest. That is a lot of stuff, and it can get you pretty far. But I like that the you know it, it, I guess I'm I'm focusing on D and D here because it's what I've been playing. But also encounters are more, in my experience, environment based in D and D. Things like cover, uh, well, that matters in Shadowrun. But Shadowrun tends to be more urban. It te- you know it doesn't tend to be outside as much. It doesn't tend to have the distances. Uh, it tends to be very not map dependent while D I think is a lot more map dependent just in the nature of the game. So the environment can matter more. It's just been my experience that things like maps and actual like grids and therefore, you know, matter where you place the stuff. And so I'm trying to, and D is also more exotic. Like Shadowrun mostly takes place in your urban environment. And there's some exceptions. Maybe, maybe that's the point. You should put more stuff out there anyway, but there you go. I'm talking myself in a circle there, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but to, to segue into a thing that you mentioned, gravity, I want to play in space. I think Shadowrun and D&D and various other games should go to space more often than they do. Space is great. Space. Okay. Space problem. Space, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> Sorry. Alien. I think Alien also is an RPG system that we've played that yeah. also is in an extreme environment, especially when you're in space. Yeah, and it, and it does yeah. it really good, and it should, and uh, it it can come up as much as you want it to. The alien system is okay, and it 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 doesn't have to be in space. I don't think you know, our game wasn't. It was in like we didn't have spacesuits for mm-hmm. a big chunk of it, but it works. But like you don't have to be like Shadowrun has had some space stuff. I I don't I think D and D could just go. I think mm-hmm. the only thing you have to do is just recreate space travel with magic and call like. The, the seal would be like a big magical blue Liamon's tiny hut type of thing, except I'd probably give it some hit points or something so it could be destroyed. What do you mean, in space? Isn't that Spelljammer? Is it? Huh? I haven't played Spelljammer. Is that, is that, did someone yeah. invent this? Is this just Spelljammer uh, Star- is basically D&D in space, and Starfinder is, is Pathfinder, which is D&D in space. Well, fair enough. Maybe I should go play Spelljammer. Space. You know, it's okay. You're young. You don't know all the old books. It's yeah. All right. So when did Spelljammer come out? Like off the top? Oh, forever ago. Spelljammer. Well, if you want to play uh, a game that was that's come out <laughs> since the Carter ago. administration. Uh, I want to say in early '90s, Spelljammer, the first edition came out. I want to say early '90s. Our editor just picked up a ton of Spelljammer books. Uh, so '90s yeah, subsequent 90s. edition. Oh, they have a new one coming out in literally a few weeks. There you go. And apparently it's D&D 5th compatible. So, yes, Spelljammer. Spelljammer. We solved it. I'm not getting any of that money. Uh, No, you're not. I am. But I I guess to make a quick point is why I like it is you have the same issues of, like like D&D has water traps, right? You're in uh, in the pit and the water fills up. That's not fundamentally different than a lack of oxygen. You're in a room. You have like this hard light type of barrier that protects you from the outside. That's your like glass. It gets mm-hmm. damaged to the point you start losing air. It's the same principle, just kind of with a different flavor. Instead of water rushing in and you can't breathe, oxygen rushes out and you can't breathe. And you have to like solve the problem. Uh, maybe a little bit more mechanically and technically than you would 
but not necessarily. I mean, you could just have a dungeon with various systems that like oxygenate or pressurize some system, some room, some whatever, and that's an important thing to keep in mind as you mm-hmm. attack about. I like the isolation of it as well, which I also kind of like and, and think is very similar to um, undersea and underwater. Again, you have magic. You can just teleport people places, or you could like put them in the magical bubble craft that just like pops them down there. Mm-hmm. Shadowrun is a little easier because you have submarines and you have diving equipment. You don't have the you don't have scuba in in a mm-hmm. non modern setting. But just hand wave it. Make some magic bullshit. Some Everani. Uh, I yeah, say Everani of... probably has something for underwater. I'm pretty yeah. sure. It's they got airships. They should have. Yeah. You know submarines. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that there's, you know, D&D to me has a big exploration mm-hmm. element. It's about the unknown. You know, here there be dragons, and that's nowhere more true than underwater. In the deeps, in the deep, deep darks, where, like, you're underneath the underdark, and that's the, that's the above you. You know, that's what's, that's what's above your head there. You know, you're below that, doing weird, creepy stuff with weird, creepy alien, mm-hmm. uh, you know, encounters. You also mm-hmm. have the three-dimensional aspect of weightlessness if they're underwater. Give them some magic head bubble. It has to be in either space underwater. You know, scroll. You read the scroll spell, then boop, you get a little oxygen helmet that's good for like an hour. Mm-hmm. And you can go down, and you you can have, if you're planning out, like in a battle map, your encounter, you now have three-dimensional space. You can attack both left, right, front, back, but also top and bottom. And that might be hard to put on a map, or a, a mat. Mm-hmm. But it's cool. If you can somehow represent that. You can do it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's neat. Uh, So you mentioned something uh, in that. You said you think D&D is a great exploration game. Now, that's only true if your table also likes the exploration of a world. Some people don't want to explore the world. They just want to get in, do their thing, and that's it. You know, hack slash, I just want to stay in the city and build it up. I don't want to look. I don't want to explore. I just, maybe they want to learn more about the people. They don't want to learn more about the, the world. They don't want to explore. You have to explore so, for the sake of exploring. It's just that that's where the yeah. stuff, like your major city is not going to have, you know, generally speaking, a red dragon running amok on 5th and Main. You have to, like, go out into the hinterlands where but the stuff the is. that's the thing. I know players specifically that would just be happy having the entire game, the entire campaign in one city, just doing intrigue and building up rep there. They don't want to explore. They just want to win the game and get most points. So if you have a table that isn't into exploring and they just want to hole up in one place and play for a different reason, you as the DM who thinks exploring's fun well now are you going to force them out or like do you think you should force them out and make them explore i guess you buy them uh the tower of the mad mage or the mad wizard's tower mm-hmm. <laughs> the <more laughs> where, where the wizard went crazy and uh is holed up in the uh, inside of his insane multi-level dungeon yeah. if they just want to do that I'm, I'm, it's not i'm not so much saying like you have to explore this indiana jonesy kind of way it's more that there is a um that's where the stuff is. Like the world is still young. You know, there there aren't tanks and national guards and F-22s to go attack the goblin army and the dragons, shoot them out of the sky. You have cities which are these little like points of civilization, and then out there beyond that, humans cannot just it will, the the civilized races cannot just hold it down. There's like shit out there, and adventurers kind of go forth and fight it. That That's kind of, to me, part and parcel of D&D. 
generally. If you want to have all of this intrigue mm-hmm. and just be in the city doing this weird political thing, I think D&D is a shitty system for this, And but I wish you the best of luck. No, I think that's what I, that's, that is what I think my point is. You'd have to have a GM and players of the same mindset to make, to really like, because if, if, if you had a group of players you're like, I don't want to do exploration. I just want to be here doing this thing. I just want to do this. And you're like, well, no, you have to go out and explore once in a while. And you kind of force them, not on rails, but you kind of force them to choose some reason to leave the city. And then you hit them with extreme environments and you penalize them or they get hurt. Then they just, I think their mind goes back to, I didn't ever want to leave to begin with. Well, then they need to play The Sims. What do you want me to say? (laughs) No, I I just want want to say you need players that also feel the same way. Because if you don't, those the players you have are not going to be happy. Because if they didn't want to explore, and now you make them explore, and then you hit them with an extreme environment and penalties, and they get hurt, they're not going to be happy. You know players cry. Well, session zero, I guess. I, I just really can't <laughs> fathom a D and D game that exists within the confines of a single city unless you really contrived it. Because mm-hmm. like yeah. that's where the stuff is is outside the city. Like yeah. you're in the city. Yeah. Like the reason that yeah, like Bob the the shoemaker can live in the city. Mm-hmm. You, we don't need you there. You know, like ships are safe yeah. in harbor, but that's not what ships are for. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta go in the sticks and beat dragons in the head. I yeah, mean, you know, uh, the pirate game that I ran, D&D, the, they were pirates. They they always were going somewhere. And yeah, we went. they went to different lands, and those different lands had different issues. One was it was just like a, a big, almost a, just a, a large sandbar. It wasn't even a true island. It was just a big sandbar. Uh, you know, other ones, you know, a volcano. So, yeah, a volcano is extreme environment. I think I just had them roll constitution saves. It's easier when the group is already used to going out and about. I'm just making the point of not all players like that, and they may resist this whole thing. But if you have a group of players that want to just go and explore, yeah, you could toss all this stuff at them. I think that's why Section Zero is so important, right? So, fair enough. If they, if they don't want to go. Fair enough. You know, you can have your social intrigue or your more down the middle and all your temperate forest. But again, and your players have to kind of trust you when when they show oh, up to the game. Please, yes. They you know, don't, like if they don't trust you. Forget about it. Yeah, that that I will say that before you start screwing with people's stuff, mm-hmm. and the more you screw with them, the more trust you're asking from them because the game has decided that dark vision good and that these various races get it, and that's mm-hmm. a part of the deal. You know, elves do not get the free feet. They get the dark visions. Cool. When you take that away, you are nerfing their character. I don't think yep, it's crippling. You nerfed it. Uh-huh. I don't think it's a cripple. I don't think it's on the same scale as you find your divine. Your your magic doesn't work here, which is like if you do that, you better be real advanced with your player trust going on. Like if I mm-hmm. if I'm playing a game and suddenly you know you you can't communicate with your god and your powers don't work. Oh my god, I like, did that once to a player. He freaked out. It's I would be nonplussed. Like it would have to be like you, you and I would have to be real. I'll give you an example. We had our recent game mm-hmm. with uh, which hasn't been released. So I can't I can't give a spoiler. There was can't? a thing. There was oh, a thing. What happened? Thing? What happened? And I was yeah. like, hmm. Is this like my first thought was that's kind of bullshit. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to trust my GM. I'm, it's, it's Jupiter. I'm going to trust 
I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna open my arms and fall back into the trust circle, and uh-huh. it worked out. But that's but that's what it had to be. So before you start like throwing your your players, you know your magic don't be working. You better, I, I would not pull that on players I have not played with before. <laughs> <laughs> magic don't work. I wouldn't pull the polar shit. You know. <laughs> That's, you know, you got to build up. Give them some you tempered forest. You have to have the trust. You yeah. have to let them know that it's okay. And if I if I put you in this extreme environment, I'm not putting you there to TPK the group or even to just nerf you guys because I'm sick of dark vision being every, ev- with everyone. I'm not doing it. I'm doing it for the story. That's all. Yeah, um, maybe look at their skill yeah. list and, like, throw them some bones, right? Oh, like, whatever yeah, their character's yeah. good at. Like, oh, oh, you speak, uh, uh, you know, Abyssal? That's going to be a key plot point, you know? Yeah. You know, you, you throw them something. But you if every little... character has dark vision and you as a GM are very vocal about how much you think dark vision is just overused or it's bullshit that everybody has it, and then oh. the next thing you know, your whole group is in the polar, and now you're rolling fortitude saves for snow blindness, <laughs> you're going to go, you just don't like us. You're just doing this on purpose. You're just trying to nerf the dark vision. That's what can be perceived by those actions. So you definitely have to have that trust. You don't earn it by calling. That is, probably, that is I think, a great counterpoint. You, it, mm-hmm. it can, you know, be easy with it. And I would not use it to a term that I like. It's called rat fuck. Like there's fucking somebody and there's rat fucking them. That's wow. that's rat so fucking. Vulgar. I was very vulgar. When you so when you vulgar. like take away everyone's dark vision, yeah, and then you really like it's not like minorly important. You repeatedly bring in these people who have advantage at ice seeing because they're yeah. like the 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 whatever they are of the of the de- the desert no or the the what is it um God, the where, where they are from Star Wars the weird desert people of Wait, the, the sand people the sand people Tuscan? yeah yeah the uh, they have a name like God what are they called again. I'm not telling you now. Well, the, the Raiders, weird. boom. Yeah, the, the, those of the polar regions. Yeah. The Tuscan, yeah, the, yeah. The if you have the Tuscans of the polar ice caps fighting your entire dark vision team and repeatedly, that's that's rat fucking. That's shitty. And you're gonna and they're gonna not like you. Don't do that. But see, make it make it a brain, little bit. In my brain, any indigenous people of any inv- extreme environment that they run across, they will those indigenous people have an advantage. They know how to live in it. They know how to survive it. They know how to use it to their advantage. I would just, it would be tougher for my table to defeat them. Because to me, I'm like, they they live here. This is their home. Yeah. Of course they know what they're doing. Of course they're going to kill you. I, I, I would you probably live. be, I, I would also <laughs> probably not do it to a table full of dark vision characters. Yeah. Unless, again, that trust level was real. I, you know, because they talk so much shit to the human. Like, oh, oh hey, guy, you need your torch over there? <laughs> And then rut row, you know. But yeah, I, I, be easy on stuff like that. Talked about space, underwater, kind of in a similar vein to the po- like. To me, underwater and space are kind of like mirror images of each other. Both are three dimensional. Both have weightlessness. Both have oxygen issues. Both have remote weirdness that's going on. Similar things. The mirror to the polar conditions is like the desert, and I would like to run at least something of a campaign or a couple one-offs or whatever. In a type of plant, on a type of environment that's ripped from Chronicles of Riddick. Uh, mm-hmm. If you saw that movie, there was like the this deserty planet. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, he does oh, seen Diesel. it. Turn yeah. off the podcast right now. Go watch it. Yeah, the the the, the man's uh, you know abs look like a, a you know a package <laughs> of Hawaiian rolls. I don't know what you're doing, not 
not getting them. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to have those ads because I like Hawaiian rolls. Diesel, I'm yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, stay on, stay on target, Red Leader. Oh, I... okay. <laughs> I'm back. Extreme environment. We need an extreme environment. Okay. Still need a podcast. Okay. <laughs> oh. Deserts. Deserts. <laughs> yeah, I want to have. If you haven't seen it, they're on a desert planet, and every few minutes the sun, like, comes over and scorches everything. And if you're even remotely exposed, you're on fire. I think it would be cool to have fights out that had this aspect, where over the course of X numbers of rounds, maybe this, the the planet is orbiting or spinning so rapidly that its day-night cycle is absurdly short. That you could have fights where that was an aspect of it. Like you only have so much time before the next like solar flare or the next day-night cycle whips around. Uh, I mean, I know it's the average fight is like one minute long, but there, whatever. Uh, or, or you could have uh, instead of rivers and water, you would have like lava flows. You would have have to have them go between various caves. I also know that in D and D you have sort of like the standard day where you have two encounters, a short rest, two encounters, a short rest, two encounters, and then you break and have a long rest. Like more or less. It's kinda of like this design aspect in the average adventuring day. It's in the player's handbook, the adventuring day. Where you All have right. six to eight. So we're talking about these rests now. That bring that triggers me for rest? Go ahead. Or rest. All Go right. ahead. So it's hard to have, I have found, in open environments, like this big uh, jungle crawl in Tomb of Annihilation, proper balancing, because it's so open, players just have an encounter, and then they rest. You can't keep hitting them, unless you ambush them at night, which gets old fast. They just, they don't have to keep going. A cave or a dungeon has a start and an end, and you can't just take a break in the middle of the dungeon. Like, there's a reason you would keep being ambushed, or why that wouldn't work, or why the bad guys who have the loot and the, and the MacGuffins would escape. So in an open environment, how do you handle this? I think you could just have them go from, like, point to point on your big desert map, and you could maybe make a quick, like, marching roll or constitution roll on if they were, like, how far they were able to get. Just a quick roll on how far they were able to get based on, I mean, I, I, anyone can come up with a, with a quick mechanic. Uh, there's stuff in the game as far as marching time, but however far they get, if they they can get to certain caves where they could take a short rest, but not a long one. Like they can't get the benefit. It's not that they can't be inactive. It's that it's just so hot. It is not a uh, occluded enough spot to be able to fully get the benefit. And so that way you're able to sort of prevent them from getting those long rests at command without putting them into a dungeon like cave-like system or one or one deal where you have to go start here and end here and then get back type of thing. It's something I wanted to bring up because I think that might be a problem. If you just have them in this remote area, it's like, oh, you go forth and you have a fight. and Uh-oh, we've used a spell slot or two. Time to shut it down for an hour or eight hours, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So keep it in mind. But yeah, extreme heat, hiding from the sun, lava flowing. Yeah, yeah, bring some lava in there. Again, weird ass fire creatures have some fire meat that's going on. Uh, salamanders. Uh, I think it's a cool vibe. Yeah, no. So you know about all the extreme environments. You know about all the different ones. You're playing D and D now. You're running a module, but let's say you aren't running a module or in the future when you aren't. What are you gonna do? 
what environment do you really want to like throw at a table and, and explore and do? I, I have go to wish. I, I talk about this fire planet. I want to do a desert. I want to have a desert. I want to have a big blue dragon doing blue dragony shit. I want to have the sub sub sand cave systems that they can make. It's a thing. And uh, I, I think I, I want to go from this deeply lush jungly environment to the exact opposite. Open ended, and I was thinking to myself, how how am I going to solve having encounters across the desert? Like, wh- how, where are their camps? What kind of NPCs they're going to see? What type of like? There's nothing out there, but there is got to be. There's got to be some stuff. So how do I interact with the rest system while still having encounters in the wilds? What types of terrains would they go to other than just rolling sands? Like you would have mountains, mm-hmm. mountain redoubts. Mm-hmm. How does water impact? things mm-hmm. like i kind of want to have an oasis and water is a commodity that's charged and kind of have this noah cross vibe from chinatown uh-huh uh so that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking desert i want to have that vibe i want to have the camels i want to have the people wrapped up in the in the in the in the white linen sh- you know with you know to protect themselves from the sun mm-hmm. and the mysterious travelers in these sparse environments and it's kind of like oh kind of have a westerny vibe we have this small cantina like town and everyone knows everyone and the town is not bigger than say like you know four or five streets maybe it's just like well, one strip along a, a small oasis if in you the want desert. that why don't you just go play deadlands Deadlands is also weird, but <laughs> it is the weird West. Yes, and and people, it, it's weird. It's weird, and nothing wrong with Deadlands. Go play Deadlands, no. but there's no reason the setting can't come. Like if no, if, if I wanted to play Deadlands in a temperate forest, you wouldn't say, "Why well, just go play D and D?" Like you should be able to have your setting and eat it, and eat it too. You know? Would you ever do? I've heard. I, I I was talking to my brother, and he was telling me that there's a module out there where the entire thing takes place underwater. Ooh. I was like, ugh. Underwater fighting? Ugh. I don't like the sound of it at all. I don't think I would ever do underwater. I don't think I would do space, because you could do space in Shadowrun. Or, you know, Alien, Spelljammer, um, Starfinder. I do like the idea of the polar one. I think, because I've done a desert, and I've done the mountains, and I've done the forest. I haven't done jungle. But I think a polar one would be fun. Kind of neat to I mean, do. It's, it's underused. I think people think, oh, so there's nothing out there. Yeah, no, I'm totally going to have penguins. I'm not going to do the lame, got to go kill Santa or save Santa or any of that stuff. No. There's no Santa. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Spoiler. And his evil reindeer <laughs> steed, his nightmare <laughs> reindeer. No. No, no, no. He's a lich. <laughs> Just <has> Yeah. <laughs> You've been naughty, suck your soul. Ah! <laughs> no. Santa is a lich. I do like that idea, but that is not what I'm going to do. No. Uh, so that might be something in the future. I might, I might try. Um, my coworkers were, our next game is in September and it's going to be Shadowrun. We're doing characters now, but maybe after that, they want to try D and D. So maybe I'll do a polar thing with them. They trust me and they don't know the rules enough to, to start questioning them. But it's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when they know, get educated is when they leave my table wait a minute i have dark vision <laughs> you never had dark vision <laughs> it's not what you think that is yeah <laughs> it means you can only see well in the dark this is true um, please yeah the other one 
I think the Underdark is a good extreme environment. And when you have everybody with dark vision, it's fine. If they don't have it, well, we got problems. But there's so many other things that can happen underground. Not a cave. I mean, I'm talking like the Underdark. Uh, I think that is another one that I would like to, to do or explore. I may look for a module for that. I don't know. I, I, I feel bad I didn't say that. The Underdark is like a real thing already in D&D, &D, yeah, and I would very much is. like it to be a thing. It uh, is a yeah. thing, and I don't it, think it right. gets explored often. Um, if you know D&D &D setting and lore, when you hear Underdark, you're like, ugh. It sounds awful. If you've read, uh, what is it? Homeland, Exile, and Sojourn. Uh, R.A. Salvatore. Yes. That's when you learn about the Underdark, and I think everybody has a healthy respect for the dangers of it. Um, we've all, I, I don't know if we've all been, I've been in a cave that goes very far under the ground, and you, it does feel weird, and it does get dark. Like, it's creepy dark. Like, it's, you can't see anything dark. Yeah, I was, um, I was on a cruise yeah. last year, and I had an, in, an inside cabin with no windows. It got like, I mean, I, I get it. It's yeah, it's like the same. So <laughs> I I think that is a. I think if you're gonna do an extreme environment that you really want to be impactful, it should be something that a lot of the people at the table can relate to. If you know, not everybody everybody's been in, you know gone through a winter unless you know you're in the south. You've gone through a real winter. You know what cold is, so you can extrapolate that to the the to the poles. But like if if. People are like, oh, I've never been like in a cave, cave, like underground in a cave, cave. Then it's kind of like, oh, I wish you had, because then you'd really get the idea. Uh, but if you read those three books, you'll also get the idea. Uh, also, fantastic books. If you haven't read them, please just read them. Yes, uh, I would. I would agree. They were like fantastic. what Sojourn and uh, the the, the Dristowern. Exile and Sojourn. Yeah, they're they're, they're quite good. So for for what it's worth, uh, yeah, and I, I feel bad I didn't mention it because that's a real place in D and D, and it's accessible well, from again, anywhere. You're young. I don't know. I know about the dark. Is, which <laughs> I know is, about yeah. the underdark. I I actually want to feature that in my upcoming game. I want to have the desert, the mountains, and the mountains would connect down into the underdark, and so you have these sort of like three environments: your near surface caves, your subterranean underdark with all kind of weirdness. And your desert, with its weirdness. I'm just saying, it's, uh, yeah, Underdark, great place, underutilized. Probably, probably the most underutilized place, because, again, it's accessible to literally anywhere. There's a cave at Go-To Underdark. So, yeah, environments. They're cool. You should bring up more of them. And you should, and... Uh, They're great. Yeah, and I, I guess I also want to say that a big part of, like, like I said, with the ice flows in the polar region, or with uh, lava flowing and changing, I want your environment to, like, impact the actual battle space your encounter space it should be a thing that uh, influences role play decisions you know there's a small encampment on this like desert place and uh oh no like someone's gonna like change the the, the flow of this of this lava and uh you know what are you gonna do it's not necessarily like you're not hitting anyone you're not throwing an axe in anyone's head but you're you're the the environment is speaking the environment is having its impact i think that's cool I think the environment is often neglected. People know about plot. People know about mm -hmm. character development, mm -hmm. character motivation. You've got cool stuff. You've got baddies from the Monster Manual who are, have been well-designed professionally to have all kinds of neat little toys and tricks to be cool to your players. And environments, I think, are the most often left out. I think it. I think a lot of encounters are, are, are essentially battle mat two-dimensional space. 
they're here, well, you're there, duke it out. That's interesting. Is Do you think that's the case? Because when we watch media, when we play video games, watch movies, unless the movie is specific, like Gravity is, you understand it's just that one person dealing with an environmental issue here. Do you think it's because maybe the media we're watching doesn't have environment as an impact in the story? Do you, So do you think that as GMs or DMs, when we're doing games that we just don't think to bring the environment up because our video games don't do it that often or our movies don't? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big yeah. part of it. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. We solved another problem. Yeah. We solved it. It's, uh, it's irritating. I, I, that and laziness, <laughs> I think people know laziness. that like you, you can have a good movie without – where the environment doesn't play an obvious role, like uh, I don't know, Rush Hour. I think it's set in L.A. Mm-hmm. and uh, and eventually it's set in China, and that's kind of cool. But like the first one is is a good movie, but it doesn't matter that it's set in L.A. Like L.A. Mm-hmm. doesn't speak to you. You know, you might see things that are like, well, oh, that's filmed in L.A. because I can see the thing, but it doesn't matter. Um, but then you have a movie like Heat, or uh, mm-hmm. or not Heat, sorry, uh, God, Collateral with Tom Cruise. Where it's set in L.A. and the the nature of L.A., which I've heard commented on in pop culture, it's this large, sprawling, highway-based city. It's not like New York. It's not built up. It's built out, and it can be like sparse. And there can be coyotes in the streets. That is in the movie, and you feel like I actually felt all these things that have been described factually. How L.A. is sprawling and different, and highways, and it's. Uh, it's got this weird desert city-ish, or or not desert, but like this. I, I, I guess I don't know how to say it other than like somewhat empty vibe. It doesn't have this inner soul character. It's more of a disparate, pulled apart type of world. It can it comes across in the movie. So you can have good stuff, and I think players or I think GMs are taking. Oh well, I know I have to have good characters, and I have to have a good plot. Mm-hmm. I don't think they think about the environment. I really, I really think they just paint temperate forest land, medieval setting. You know, that's it. I don't think it really impacts. I don't think it's making itself known. So, yeah. hence I think this it's rant. One of those, I think it's one of those things that I think as a GM you should use it sparingly. To kind of get the table used to letting them know, signaling to them that, hey, the environment is a thing. So then eventually you can do one of those big, all right, we're now really going to move somewhere. And you're going to have to deal with a lot of environment stuff. But you guys have already done it before, so you're okay. You know it's going to work out. So now we can do it. I think it's one of those you have to educate your players and earn that trust and kind of spoon feed it to them until they're ready to then go to the desert and and deal with that. Uh, I think if you just had a brand new table and it was right out of the gate, you're in a desert. I think you're going to have a lot of players like, all right, this is way too much to, to uh, it's a new system, a new character, it's new table, new, new GM. And now you're going to throw environment at me. Like, I think it might be too much. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not going to okay. say you're wrong. I don't know. I just don't know. I think if you played it, to what they can handle. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, you would have a different desert setting yeah. for this table than that one. If it's mm-hmm. just, I, I, don't, I really don't care if it's all setting. Like I'm, I've talked some about mechanics. Honestly, you just don't have to. You could do what you said and have it be almost pure fluff. 
I still it think is. it should impact yeah. your environment a little bit in terms of your like encounter maps. Yeah. You know, but uh -huh. like I don't think you're gonna break the average player's brain by having an encounter map pull up and like there's quicksand. Yeah. And like if you throw someone in the quicksand, they that that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, like yeah. that's yeah. they get it. We understand the concept of terrain. And so, yeah, I'm not saying go full bore. I, 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 the warning is appropriate. I think you should not go like, holy shit nuts to people who just got started because they're <laughs> reading stuff online while you're yeah, yeah, in the weeds. They're like, okay, what's D&D &D like? You're like, fucking deserts, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> no. That kill you. You yeah. didn't check your shoes and you woke up. Scorpion bite, dead. Scorpion no, bite, like, roll for constitution. I didn't know I had to check my shoes. What are you talking like, about? Yeah. Right, don't go crazy with the environment. <laughs> Let's just calm down. Let's not be nuts about it. Uh, it is something that I think you have to, you have to, you have to like ease them into it. You can't come full bore. And that's even if you want to go full on into it. Like I said, I've used environment. I've had minimal roles. Nothing, nothing majorly impacted them, but they, they felt it. They knew where they were. If they were in a volcano, you're dealing with heat and sulfur smells. You can't go down that way because it's too hot. Or if you go this way, you got to roll a constitution and make sure you don't get sick. The sulfur smells and eyes are burning. Can you even see what you're looking for? So that, that, that kind of stuff, yes. But not to, well, you know, if you, you've been in here 15 minutes, you failed a save, you fail again. Well, now you're going to start taking damage. Oh, no, you're going to pass. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't want... I, maybe this is it. I don't want the environment to kill my players. I don't think that's a good death. I think the players deserve to die in a more meaningful way, not just, I didn't know how to deal with I, I, this extreme big, environment. You're the big advocate. The dice tell the story. What the, the dice, dice say you die in a fucking I love the way flow. you say it accusatorily, too. But that's yeah. what I'm saying. I don't want, <laughs> if the dice go badly... And the environment kills my player. I don't think that's a fun death for them. There's no honor in that. Fair enough. That's then don't kill them. Just don't. Just have it. I mean, you can I mean, eyeball. If you're on my stuff. table, I'm gonna kill you. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, that will, well, that's me. But that's we not true. That. That's not true because you have a character that didn't die. Meh. <laughs> the, the one. The one. Oh, but uh, but, but no, what you said, yeah, don't kill them. And D and D has lots of hit points, so which is which is a not always a bad thing. Just don't kill them. Just have it be a thing where you you know there's the magic MacGuffin and there's this lava nearby, and you have to yeah. roll Constitution, and you're gonna take some damage. It's not gonna kill you. You're gonna yeah. rough them up a bit. Like yeah. that's the thing. You yeah. can let's be honest. You can take your players and put mm -hmm. them in situations that you know will rough them up, but will not kill them even mm -hmm. if they were like catatonic. So even if the dice go bad. Yeah, there's not, they're not going kill to them. die. Don't so, have it kill them because, oh, nothing worse than just, you know, I don't want to die by the environment. So, sometimes damage <laughs> is a way to sort of like communicate something. Like I've often done that where I had a, a threat that was not going to be lethal. Mm -hmm. And I knew that there was nothing after that threat that would be lethal before their next rest. So then what's the point? I'm sending a message. I'm like, this was hot. You got roughed up, you you know, and uh, and and you, there's an emotional connection to that as, uh, or there's an emotional response with a feeling like, oh man, we're trudging through this, and the fire is burning your skin, and you have these, you know, these wounds stack up. It's role playing. It's a part of the game, even if it's not. Not everything is. How put it? It's not unimportant just because it won't kill you. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm there you go. Yeah. No. No. That's great. No. All right. So there we go.
I think we've covered everything. What do you think? Did we, did we miss anything obvious? We probably did. Uh, but it did. wouldn't be the first time. But mostly I just want to tell our, our, our listeners and our fans to just try it. Ask mm -hmm. your GM about uh, a different change of scenery sometime. And, and, you know, give your suggestions, let them choose it, whatever. But I think mm -hmm. it's a thing that a lot of games could, could just do. That they're not doing that's not absurdly difficult. To like, oh, my environment should speak. And, and, and you know, you want temperate forest? Fine. But have your environment in some way impact the game. Speak up. I don't think you should be able to explain your D&D game to me. And me not know what the weather's like, what the temperature is. I should know a little something about the kind of place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. But, I mean, are you going to do a weather report at the beginning of every session? No, but if you tell me it's a desert, I wouldn't understand. You're, you know, you're in not... the jungle. Like, at your table, you're in the jungle. You wake up. It's a balmy 102. Yeah, I don't, I don't tell them that. And but... humidity. Yeah, you, you just assume <laughs> that everyone smells, you know, everyone smells terribly. Oh. You're just pouring sweat. It's it's immiserating. You have gunk uh, that's caked itself into your clothing. Every, every ring of chainmail has a somewhat permanent sludgy mudness that's kind of slowly migrated from the bottom up as you've moved and and uh, you know like, like rubbed yourself and touched your hands or something. Every time that every time you've done that, you get a little bit more of that caked in black rich earth and Ugh. you know and gunk. I'm out. I'm out. I'm leaving the table. You're out. Where's the black X to point to at the table? I'm out. I'm out. Okay. You just need to have a little bit of uh, of press digitation. You know, clean press everything up. Exactly, because magic fixes everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, next week is the Sunday before Gen Con. We're not recording. We've done all our recordings to get us through Gen Con. Right. Indeed. We've been quite productive little squirrels, burying our, our nuts in uh, and the future wow. storage. Um, okay. And I have to give you next Sunday off as well, because isn't it a special day? Uh, yeah, it, it, it is a very special day. It is, isn't it? Yeah. July 31st is a special day. It's a very special day. For, 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 for cotton turns 37. For cotton? 37. Yeah. On the 31st. 37! Oh my god, you're getting older. I'm on the back side of 30. <laughs> <laughs> Short side of time. <laughs> wow, that is depressing and country. Back okay. on the bottom and nowhere to climb. There you go. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. When do they drink so much? Yeah, I know, right? It's, uh, it's, yeah. So depressing. There is a country oh, song god. that's hot right now called That's Why We Drink. <laughs> the lyrics are terrible. But... Uh, uh, yeah. Dad loved it. It's the saddest fucking song. And I've never heard it until I turned like 35. And then I hear oh, it all the time. And it, oh, is, wow. it, is, it is up there with like Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. It's fucking sad. Jesus. <laughs> all right. Well, you enjoy. Uh your birthday uh next sunday and then or on the 31st and i will see you in a week and a half yeah, what the zoomers call irl irl yeah, yeah you are a zoomer um <laughs> yes uh, <laughs> and i'm looking forward to seeing uh everybody else that gets to make it at gen con and then our next recording will be not the Sunday Gen Con ends, but the Sunday after that. And we will do our post Gen Con show. 
which we kind of talk about what we saw there, what we liked, what we hated, how it was different. This year, super interesting with the vax, uh, proof of vaccination, reading lots of stuff about that. So we're going to see how it all works out and let you guys know. Indeed. We will, we will be your, your man in Indianapolis and woman. <laughs> and woman. I can be anything. <laughs> I mean, you can. You can be anything you want to be now. It's fine. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, y'all.